we started looking at man mighty manifestations of the Spirit. This is a message the Lord put on my heart, and, and I felt the need to come to you with this word because it is something that we all need to understand, but I believe more importantly, it is something that we all need to begin to flow in. You see, uh, the Bible is God's word, and when we see a particular subject in the word of God and we press into that subject and we say, Lord, we want it, we desire this, then I'm sure God is going to release it to us. You know, and, and as a pastor, I am speaking to you as members of the River Church family here in Istanbul, and I'm telling you that this is the will of God for us. It is the will of God that each of us will rise up in the nine gifts of the Spirit. We, we must all desire to see the manifestation of the Spirit in our midst like never before. We must all desire this. And like I've told you over and over again, when Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote uh, the book of 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth, he, he wasn't writing to one particular person in the, in the church at Corinth. He was writing to the entire church. So we understand that this is not a message that's given to one particular person because a lot of times when it comes to the flow uh, of the gifts of the Spirit, some people have left it to a certain uh, elite group of people in the body of Christ. You know, you come to a local church, you discover that it is just a few, a few people in the local church that believe in the gifts of the Spirit and that flow in the, gift of the, in the gifts of the Spirit. And I believe that that's not the plan of God. I believe that God wants everyone in the church to rise up in the gifts of the Spirit, to believe God and to press in and say, Lord, I want you to use me in the gifts of the Spirit. And that is the reason why I'm bringing this message because the Lord wants us as a church to rise up in these gifts and to believe that we can be used by God in the gifts of the Spirit. Each of us can be used by God. Don't leave it up to your pastors. Don't leave it up to uh, uh, those that are in full-time ministry. This is not exclusive to pastors. It's not exclusive to those that are in full-time ministry. This is for everyone that is in the River Church here in Istanbul. And if you are a pastor, uh, pastoring a church um, somewhere in the world and you're watching this, I want you to understand that this, the gifts of the Spirit are for your members. The gifts of the Spirit are for everyone that is in your church. For you, of course, as the pastor and the leader of that ministry, but for everyone that comes into that ministry that is born again and that loves the Lord. It is the will of God. I think it is important that I stress this because this has to resonate in the hearts and in the minds of everyone that's listening to me right now. The gifts of the Spirit belong to all of us. The gifts of the Spirit belongs to all of us. We must contend for the gifts of the Spirit. We must press in and ask the Lord to use us all in the gifts of the Spirit. Can someone say amen? Now, if you have not been listening to my previous messages on this subject, then I want to encourage you to go to our website, this riveristanbul.com, and listen to what I have 
discussed or what I've talked about so far from the beginning to today. You need to go back and listen because if you don't listen to all the stuff that I've talked about, especially when I laid a solid foundation on the things that must be understood when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, if you don't understand these things that I talked about when I laid the foundation, you may not be able to understand the gifts of the Spirit like you should. Because there's a lot of error in, 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 in the church with regards to these things. And, and I've been able to deal with all this stuff so that you will rise up to the place where you flow in the gifts of the Spirit, but you do it as the Spirit of God leads and based on the Word of God. Can someone say amen? Today we shall be looking at the gift of prophecy. Now we have looked at... Uh, the revelation gifts. We have also looked at the power gifts. Today, I want us to look at the gift of prophecy. And we shall begin to look at the, the utterance gifts or the vocal gifts. Or we can refer to these gifts as the gifts that say something. Now, in the vocal gifts, we have in this category, of course, we have the gift of prophecy the gift of uh, diverse kinds of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. And so we shall be looking at the gift of prophecy today, and next week we shall look at the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, and then uh, the following week we shall look at the gift of interpretation of tongues. Can someone say amen? So let's look at the gift of prophecy today. Go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, of course, our foundational text. And I want to read from verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12 from verse number 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. As you can see here, when the gifts are in manifestation, it is the Holy Spirit that is in manifestation. Or we can say this way, it is the Holy Spirit that manifests these gifts. Right? It is the Holy Spirit that manifests these gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Notice, it's given to each one. See, it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to use each of us. It does not say the... The, uh, the, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to the pastors or given to prophets or given to evangelists. No, it says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Each one means each one in our church, right? If you want to look at a much bigger picture, each one within the body of Christ. Can you see that? Each one within the body of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that gives to each one for the profit of all. So when these gifts are in manifestation, they will bring profit to us. Can someone say amen? Very important. I know that these are the things that I've talked about, but repetition brings revelation. It's important that we keep hearing these things. Notice I'm teaching the word now. I'm not just preaching away, but teaching, because I need, listen, I need you guys, you guys need to understand these things. Okay. So, for the profit of all, for the profit of all. So, God wants us to profit. Say it with me. God wants me to profit. Say it one more time. God wants me to profit. 
Say it like this, God wants us to profit. The River Church will be running uh, in increase and profit, not running at a loss. The River Church here will be running in increase and profit, not running at a loss. Amen. So, as your pastor, I confess that the River Church here in Istanbul is running in increase, is running in profit, not running at a loss. So when the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation in our church, we are going to be running in increase and profit. We're not going to be running at a loss. Can someone say amen? And that's what I'm believing for, that we run in increase, we run in profit, we run in excess. Amen. Praise God, not run at a loss. And there are many places where people are running at a loss because they do not believe in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Notice it says, it is given to each one for the profit. So do you not understand that God wants the body of Christ to profit? It is obvious that God wants you to profit. It's obvious that God wants the church to profit. God does not want the church to run at a loss. So for those who do not believe in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, it is obvious based on what we've just read in verse 7 that they are running at a loss. You see, you've got to understand that you are God's business. The house of God is God's business. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. So the house of God is the business of God. And do you know of anybody who starts a business without the uh, motive of having profit? No, I've not seen anybody like that. When you start a business, when you invest into something, you want that thing to profit. So God has invested into the body, into the church, and God wants the church to profit. Amen. The church should not run at a loss. The church should profit. Unfortunately, many are running at a loss. I mean, a whole congregation running at a loss because the man of God over the congregation does not believe in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. Some people even say that the gifts of the Spirit have been uh, done away with, that they've passed away. No, the gifts of the, the, gifts of the Spirit have not passed away. That's not true. They have not passed away. Amen. They have not passed away because we still see them in manifestation today. Praise God. Verse number 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So we see that it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that gives these gifts, or let's say it this way, it is the Holy Spirit that manifests these gifts through us. To one is given the word of wisdom, or we can say the gift of the word of wisdom. We've talked about that. To another, the gift of the word of knowledge. We've also talked about the gift of the word of knowledge. Right? These are the two gifts we see, gifts we see in the revelation. Uh, the revelation gifts. So to one is given the word of wisdom, to another is given the word of knowledge. Notice, these are gifts, right? And they come from the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 says, to another faith 
or you can say um, special faith. And we've talked about that. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy, that's what we're looking at today. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Can you see that? He, the Holy Spirit, is the one who works all these things through each of us, distributing to each of us individually as he wills. Not as I will, not as you will. So even as we look at the gift of prophecy today, I need to establish that the gift of prophecy will flow through us as the Spirit of God wills. I can't tell you to prophesy if the Lord has not put a word of prophecy on the inside of you. Are you listening to me? Just like I've been stressing over and over again that I can't just decide to see a vision. Neither can I decide to see a dream. Neither can I decide to fall into a trance. I can't decide to see an open vision. Are you listening to me? So I also cannot decide to prophesy. As we have been establishing all these times that these gifts will operate as the Spirit of God wills. This is so important. And if we grab a hold of this, this is a very important thing. As we grab a hold of what I'm emphasizing, it will save us from all the troubles and all the confusion that so many people are dealing with when it comes to the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. And I'll tell you, one of the areas where people struggle the most is the subject of prophecy. Even the church at Corinth that Paul wrote this letter to, they had a major issue when it came to prophecy. They had a major issue when it came to prophecy. I mean, so many people in the church uh, at Corinth thought they had the, the right to just get up and give a word. Get up and prophesy. And while somebody was prophesying, someone else was also getting up and prophesying at the same time. So it was such a, it was such a confusion and commotion in the church. And when Paul uh, heard about what was happening in the church, he had to write them and he told them the need to do this in, in, in such a way where there is discipline and where there is order in the church. So many people have been led astray. So many people have been led astray by this particular act of prophecy. And I'm going to show you that there are several things today that you need to understand when we talk about the subject of prophecy. Because if you don't understand these things I'm going to share with you about prophecy today, you might be led astray. Because so many have been led astray. And we don't want to be led astray when we know God's word. The, the, the word of God in us will guide us and will feed us what needs to be done and what needs to be declared whenever the Lord wants us to give a word. Some people give a word of prophecy because they, 
Listen, they are seeing all kinds of things, and some people see all kinds of things. They've seen all kinds of things. They see all kinds of visions and dreams and all of that. I'm not taking away from seeing visions and dreams, but sometimes some people see too much. And when I say too much, they are not seeing by the Holy Spirit. They are seeing by another spirit. And it's important that in this day and time that each of us will learn how to, and I'm going to talk about that very soon, will learn how to discern when something is of God and when it is not of God. Are you listening to me? Come on now, say amen. So let's look at verse 11 again. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to read verse 1 to 5. Just a couple more pages. 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. See, we have to pursue love. We have to work in love. We have to operate in love. And I've told you, and I want to say it again, that love are the wings on which these gifts flow. Or we can say, love is the wing on which these gifts operate. You've got to have the wings of love. You want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You've got to be, you've got to walk in love, in the love of God. You, you've got to know the love of God. And the love of God has to be real to you. Because if the love of God is not real to you and you're not operating by the love of God, you're going to use these gifts and, and, and destroy people's lives. So the love of God. Very important. So pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Watch this now. But especially that you may prophesy. So we're looking at prophecy today. Verse number two. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So when you are praying in tongues... This is your prayer language. The Bible says here that you are not speaking to man, but you're speaking to God. Right? And you edify yourself or you build up yourself. And you are revealing mysteries. The word here, mysteries, is the Greek word mysterion, which means something covered that can be uncovered. So when you begin to pray in tongues, you are not speaking to man, you're speaking to God. And... You are revealing mysteries. There are things about your life that needs to be understood. When you pray in tongues, I'm sure, I'm sure your spirit man becomes uh, enlightened and you begin to realize, oh, this is what I need to do. And you become so in tune with the Holy Spirit and you understand the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your personal life and even in ministry. Verse number three says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now, verse three is very important, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. You can see that, that when someone is speaking in tongues, the person is building up himself. The word edifies to build up. So whenever you pray in tongues, you build up yourself. Now, there is this thing that's running around in the body of Christ. Uh, should everybody in the body of Christ, every born-again Christian speak with tongues? Uh, some people think that 
Speaking with tongues, which is your prayer language, is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But no, it is not one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Speaking with tongues should be what every believer uh, um, receives, right? Uh, when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? Um, now, I don't have time to go into all the details in Acts chapter 2 because if you notice in Acts chapter 2, they were actually speaking in earthly languages that people around could understand. Do you understand that? Right? But we understand that there was the gift of diverse kinds of tongues there. Do you get that? When we get to the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, we'll talk about that. Because that will basically be speaking in, in a language that you were not educated in. You did not learn. I told the story. One time I was speaking uh, in tongues in the church, and it was in a prayer meeting, and a lady stopped me and said, Pastor, uh, you just spoke in Swahili. Well, I don't know Swahili, but she said you spoke in Swahili. And I said, what did I say? And she told us what I said, and then the anointing of the Holy Ghost intensified in the service. So that is a ministry language, or that is a, a tongue used in ministering to people. Even though I did not know what I said, the lady picked it up and she knew I was speaking in, in Swahili, and perfect Swahili. And she said, this is what you were saying in Swahili, and the anointing of God intensified in the service. So in Acts chapter 2, they were speaking in, notice, when you read Acts chapter 2, it says that people from, I mean, from different parts of the world came and they said, these men are speaking in our own tongue. You see, so they were speaking in, in the tongues of the people that came around that day. You understand that? So, but then when you keep reading the book of Acts, you see Acts 19, um, where Paul came to the region of Ephesus and met about, I think it was about 12 men. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we've not heard anything about, any, about the Holy Spirit. And he laid his hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues and prophesy. See that? Acts chapter 10, we can see the same thing also in the house of Cornelius. Praise God. You know, so, so I believe every Christian needs to speak with tongues. Amen. Paul writes into the church at Corinth said, um, I, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So which means that it is possible that every believer speaks in tongues. And I believe it is the will of God for every believer to speak with tongues. But this prayer language is not the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. We have to understand that there is a difference. So verse 4 reads again, for he who speaks in a, in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Watch that now. See that? I wish you all spoke with tongues. That's verse number 5. So, I mean, why would Paul say, I wish you all spoke with tongues if it was not possible? You see, it is a possibility that every born-again believer speaks with tongues. That's why I said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. And we still, have, we still have people in our church here at the river that do not speak with tongues. And I want to say like Paul, I wish you all spoke with tongues. 
Because it is the will of God. If it is not the will of God, Paul would not say, I wish you all spoke with tongues. You see, it's a possibility. So stop believing that some people are gifted with the ability to speak with tongues. No, tongues here that Paul is referring to, it's your prayer language. So he's saying to them, I wish you all prayed in tongues personally. Is that correct? That's what it means. Personally. This is your prayer language. Oh, I wish you all have this, this ability to speak in tongues personally. Your own personal prayer language. I want to repeat. If it was not possible, Paul wouldn't have said in verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. I gave my life to Christ and uh, it took me about three years before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with tongues. And I'm not going to blame it on anybody, but I'm sure it's not the will of God for, for it to last that long before I received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But over the years as a pastor, I've met with several people and I can begin to tell you some of the reasons why some people do not receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now listen carefully. When I say receive the gift of the Spirit, I'm talking about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 2, they received the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Very important. Acts chapter, uh, chapter 10, we've seen the house of Cornelius. They received the Holy Spirit. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Acts chapter 19, they received the Holy Spirit. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. And if you notice in all these examples that I've just given to you, you can go read in your own spare time. That everyone in these meetings received the Holy Spirit and all spoke with tongues. Everybody. Everybody. In Acts chapter 2, we know uh, it was 120 of them in the upper room. In Acts chapter 10, we do not get it. We do not have a count. But we know that everyone in the house of Cornelius, that Cornelius had invited they, they were all filled because the Bible says in Acts 10 44, while Peter spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those that were in the house. So we understand that everyone in the house received the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues. In Acts chapter 19, I believe it was uh, 12 young men, when Paul met them in the region of Ephesus, he laid his hands upon 12 of them. They all received the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Are you seeing that? So, what these guys received, especially Acts, Acts 10 and Acts 19, was, you know, the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen. So if Paul said in verse 5 here, I wish you all spoke with tongues, uh, then it means it is possible that everyone speaks in tongues. Amen. And if you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then receive now in Jesus' name. Do not, let, do not let this service come to an end without you receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So in my experience, I had hands laid upon me several times by several people. 
I fell down and got up and nothing happened. Now, when I say nothing happened, I mean I did not speak with tongues. And, um, and so at one time, somebody came to me and said, okay, God will, I need to take you somewhere. And the man took me to a full gospel businessmen's fellowship meeting. And it was there at the full gospel businessmen's fellowship meeting that I received the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I spoke in tongues for the very first time that day. And since then, I've been speaking in tongues. Amen. And, and something else that I had to learn um, after many years is the fact that you can speak with tongues every single day. This is your prayer language. Every single day, you can speak with tongues. In actual fact, you can speak with tongues whenever you want to. I was dealing with a man years ago who came to me and said, Pastor God, well, why is it that people just start speaking in tongues at will? I thought goosebumps will come upon them. I thought something will come upon them and they will feel the presence of God before they start speaking with tongues. I said, no, look at the Bible. Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit and I will sing with the Spirit. I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Think about it. Paul was basically talking about an act of his will. I will pray with the Spirit. Now pray, praying with the Spirit is also praying in tongues. Right? It's, it, they are interchangeable. So praying in the Spirit is also praying in tongues. So I will pray with the Spirit or in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. So it's an act of my will. It's an act of my choice. I can choose to pray now in the Spirit, with the Spirit, if I want to. I can turn it on whenever I want to. Can someone say amen? I hope this is helping somebody. So verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Now what does that mean? He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Well, like I said, when I'm speaking with tongues, Now watch this. It does not benefit you. It benefits me. Notice, it tells us in the previous place we read, it says that he who prays in tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when I'm praying in tongues, like I just did, I wasn't speaking to you. So it's none of your business in a sense. And because it is none of your business, it does not profit you. Are you listening to me? But if I was speaking in in a language that you understand, you will, be, you, will be, you will benefit because you understand what I'm saying. But I just spoke with tongues and you do not have an idea of what I was talking about. Therefore, you did not gain anything from it. Are you seeing that? So if I go, The Bible says I'm speaking to God, not to man. And because I'm not speaking to man, man does not profit or benefit from what I just said. Guess who gets all the benefit? Me. I get all the benefit. 
Because in the spirit, I am revealing mysteries. Mysterion. What is heeding that can be revealed? Can someone say amen? So my eyes are open in the spirit to see that which is heeding about my life, to see that which is heeding about my ministry, to see that which is heeding even about other people, because as I do, the Lord can also begin to reveal things about other people to me. But guess who benefits? It's, it's me that benefits, because it is me the Lord is revealing all, the, all of these things to. Are you seeing that? I would suggest to you, let me see here, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. I'll suggest to you that you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the entire chapter. It will really help you. To really help you. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 14. Now I'm still dealing with tongues because it's important. You know, and you need to understand that tongues is the gateway to the gifts of the Spirit. Let me say that again. Tongues is the gateway to the, to the gifts of the Spirit. So it's important that we are stirring up ourselves as we pray in tongues. Remember what it says in the book of Jude verse 20. Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. You can also say, beloved, building up yourselves, rising up like an edifice, praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. So praying in tongues is tongues is important because that is what I do to edify myself. Or I, I would say one of the things you do to edify yourself because something else you can do to edify yourself in the spirit is when you meditate on the word of God. Amen. But you see, God has given us so many, several things we can do to build ourselves up in the spirit. Amen. But I believe that Praying in tongues is one of the quickest ways, one of the quickest ways you can build up yourself in the spirit. If it is not a way to build up ourselves in the spirit, God would not give this to us. He wouldn't give this to us. Come on now, say amen. So praying in tongues is very important for those of you that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I pray for you now in Jesus' name that wherever you are watching, let the power of God, let the hand of God come upon you. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. So right now, be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues right now. I'm not there with you because I'm, I'm actually streaming this service right now. But you can put your own hand upon your own head. If I was there with you, I, I would lay my hands upon you. But I'm not there with you physically. But, so put your hand upon your own head like this. You can actually put one on your stomach. And I pray now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I ask you to fill them now as they have their hands upon their heads and upon their stomach. In the mighty name of Jesus. Your word says, out of your belly shall flow forth rivers of living water. So, Father, I ask you, fill each of them now with your spirit. Let your fire fall upon them, just as Paul laid his hands upon those young men in Ephesus. And Lord, as he did, the Bible says they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Father, I ask now in Jesus' name that you would do the same thing to these ones. Just like in the book of Acts chapter 10, 
As Peter was speaking in the house of Cornelius, your word says in verse 44, that as Peter spake these words, your spirit fell upon everyone in the house. Father, now let your spirit fall upon everyone that has put their hands upon their heads and upon their, their hearts. In Jesus' name, fill them now that they will receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues for the very first time and they will continue speaking in tongues till Jesus returns. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now begin to speak right now in Jesus' mighty name. Let it bubble forth out of your belly. Now, now, right now, receive the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost now. Receive ye the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues in the mighty name of Jesus. Thale prosetanige. Mandele boshumandri vetamanduze. Emandu ribeka parive. This is your heavenly language. Male ikolo brandele fikono. See, we have earthly languages and we communicate with our brothers and our friends and our whoever. Uh, our colleagues, at our places of work, and wherever we meet people in the marketplace, we communicate with earthly languages. But see, there is a heavenly language also with which you communicate with God. It's called speaking in tongues. You're speaking to God. You're not speaking to man. And you are benefiting and you're profiting as you speak with tongues. And you're edifying yourself. You are rising up like an edifice when you pray in tongues. Can someone shout hallelujah? Now look at 1 Corinthians 14 like I advised. I encourage you, read the entire chapter yourself and it will help you. Verse 6, 1 Corinthians 14. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. Are you seeing that? So Paul is basically saying, if I speak in my own prayer language, which is praying in tongues, I do not benefit you. That's basically what he's saying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? See, you're not going to get anything when I am just speaking in tongues the whole time. If I come to this broadcast right now and I speak in tongues from the beginning to the end, you will not get anything from it. So that's basically what Paul is saying. If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Nothing. But I will profit. But you wouldn't profit. I will gain. You would not gain. So I will not come to you speaking with tongues. Right? But I will come to you speaking by revelation. Right? Revealing, exposing. And when I come to you speaking by revelation and by knowledge and by prophesying. You see that now? Because when you prophesy, you are speaking in, to people in a known language. Or by teaching. So when I come to you by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching, you will benefit. So what I'm doing right now, notice I'm teaching. Because I'm teaching, you are gaining knowledge. Because I'm teaching, you are getting information. Because I'm teaching, you are being educated. And it benefits you. Some of you, what you're listening to right now will benefit you. I mean, it will benefit all of you, I believe, but I'm trying to say that you, you might use it tomorrow. You might use it next week. You might use it. Some of you might use what I'm telling you right now five years from now. The day is coming when what I'm telling you will pop out of your spirit 
And my God, you realize, oh, what Pastor Godfrey taught five years ago, I really got it. Because now I'm using it, I'm applying it in my personal life. And people will come to you and they'll ask you questions and you'll have the right answers to give to them. Why? Because you've been taught properly. But if I just came here this morning and and I speak these all day long, you will gain nothing from this service. But if I speak these for 10 minutes and I get the message in, in, in English language, what I just spoke in tongues, and I declare it unto you, that is speaking with tongues and interpretation which equals prophecy. Let me say that again. If I spoke in tongues for 10 minutes and then I interpret what I just said in tongues and I interpret it in English and I say this is what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying this, 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 this and I tell you what the Lord is saying that I've just spoken out in tongues. It is equal to prophecy. Are you seeing that? So at the end of the day, it is prophecy that is greater than speaking in tongues. Mm, you get that? So when Paul says here, uh, he who speaks in tongues is greater, I'm sorry, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, he's not comparing two people, right? He's not doing that. He's just basically saying that prophecy benefits the church more than tongues. Because actually, tongues does not benefit the church. Tongues benefit the person who speaks in tongues. But prophecy benefits the church. Are you seeing that? Amen. Because he who, watch this now, <laughs> I like this. He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Or we can say it this way, he who prophesies is more beneficial to the church than he who speaks in tongues. Unless indeed he interprets. So watch this now. So Paul is saying, if I prophesy, I, I bring you greater benefit than the guy who just speaks in tongues. The guy who just speaks in tongues is actually bringing himself benefit. But if I prophesy, I bring you benefit. Now, but watch this. Paul is saying the guy who speaks in tongues if he can interpret what he said, now that's equal to prophecy. Now he's beneficial to you. You getting that? Praise God. This is good stuff, man. I'm telling you. I made reference to Acts 10. So I'd like to go there. It took me three years. After I came to Christ to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And praise God I did. And the man who helped me minister to me made it very easy. And my God, I realized that it is so very easy. So like I was saying to you earlier, over the years as I've pastored and as I've ministered to people, I've seen there are several reasons why so many people do not receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I mean, there are even places today that will tell you that you can receive the Holy Ghost, but you don't have to speak in tongues. That is not scriptural. 
And so number one reason why a lot of people have not spoken in tongues, it's because of bad doctrine. They have been wrongly indoctrinated. This is number one reason. A, a young lady, many years ago, I was doing church membership class with a few people. And in our church membership orientation, in our church membership class, I... We get to the place in our church membership handbook where I ask people, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? And so when I would ask that question, people would say yes, some would say no. So this lady from the Philippines said no. And I asked her why. She said, I'm still waiting. That's what she told me. She said, I'm still waiting. I said, for how long have you been waiting? She said, I've been waiting for 18 years. Oh my God. I said, sister, you don't have to wait for 18 years. In Acts chapter 2, they waited. Now, Jesus had told them, don't go out to do anything until you are endued with power from on high. So they had to go wait, and they waited for just 10 days. Not more than 10 days. They waited for just 10 days. Right? Jesus was on earth for 40 days. On the 40th day, he ascended up to heaven from the Mount of Olivet. And they left the Mount of Olivet and went to the upper room. And 10 days later, which actually made it the 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus, which we know as Pentecost. Are you seeing that? The 50th day, Pentecost. So we see that right there on the 50th day, which, is, which basically means 10 days after Jesus went to heaven. The Holy Ghost was poured out. And from that day, you will never see where the Bible tells anyone to wait for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to go on a three-day fast waiting. You don't have to go on a seven-day fast waiting. No, you can receive the Holy Spirit right now. If you're born again, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when I encourage this young, Filip this, uh, young Filipino lady, and right there and then, I laid my hand upon her, and in two, three minutes, she was speaking with tongues. Now imagine, she could receive the Holy Spirit in two, three minutes, and she waited for the Holy Spirit and the baptism and speaking in tongues for 18 years. Why? Because of bad doctrine. People are being taught wrong, and that is why they are not receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Wrong doctrine, number one. Number two, the people or the person you are about to pray for to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the person is more aware of his environment. The man is in his head. I prayed for somebody years ago, and my per I think my influence was so strong on the person, the person couldn't receive. And I knew that this person was just thinking about me, and here is the thing. The devil keeps lying to him and saying, oh, what you're about to say, it's not real. I mean, I even dealt with that after I gave my life to Christ and received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I dealt with that. The devil will lie to people and tell them that, you see, what you're about to say, because the Holy Spirit watches. The Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. Notice Acts 2, they began to speak with tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. It was the Holy Spirit that gave them utterance, the words, the syllables. All was given by the Holy Spirit. It was not something they conjured up in their heads. No, it was the Holy Spirit that put it on the inside of them. Don't forget, the Holy Spirit talks. So he gave them the words and they began to speak the words out of them, out of their belly. 
began to flow rivers of living water. Can someone say amen? But it came out of their mouth. So the Holy Spirit wants you to speak, but the enemy will come to people and begin to lie to them. Hey, shut up. What you're about to say is not of God. What you're about to say is wrong. When you say, they're going to mock you. That was the thing I dealt with. The devil was lying to me. And to God gave me a dream. And the Lord basically was saying to me, No, you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Skip speaking in tongues boldly. And you see, so I was praying for this man. He couldn't speak in tongues. And I realized that he was more in his head. You know, your head is the place that hinders you. And so, remember like last week when I taught on the gift of faith, I said to you that it is like God un unscrewing your head because your head is where doubt and unbelief is. God will unscrew your head and God will pour his own faith into you and screw your head back. And when you see the problem, you will see the way God sees it. There will be no atom of doubt in you. But that's where people deal with doubt and unbelief. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. So strongholds are in the minds. Bad negative imagination. The Bible even talks about bringing into captivity everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You see, so the way people are being trained, the way people are being indoctrinated, these things tend to hinder them. Religious mentality, uh, 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 all kinds of negative mentality, the mentality of fear. What will people say? What will people think? Well, if I speak that now, people might laugh at me. That is a funny language. You see, the devil will keep lying to you and the devil keeps lying to you and you keep believing the law of the devil. You will never step out in faith. Have you realized that everything that we do in God, we do in faith. Even the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts I'm talking about, you must always do it in faith. I mean, I've seen dreams and I knew it was God speaking to me and I, I also had to step out in faith to give the word to the person. Because think about it. The devil will even lie to you. What if what you saw is not of God? What if what you saw, I mean, all kinds of lies the devil will bring to you. You don't listen to the lies of the devil. You step out in faith and you do it. Come on now, say amen. So second reason why some people do not receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit is because they are so in their head, in their minds. So as I was praying for this young man, I can't tell what was going through his mind. But I, I mean, I couldn't tell what was going through his mind, but I could tell that my presence was, my presence shouldn't have, shouldn't have been a hindrance, but I guess my presence was a hindrance to him because he was afraid and um, I guess he was thinking in his head, um, I might be saying the wrong things and I'm ashamed to say it in front of pastor. You know what I did? I said, okay, you know what? You know what? I'll just go into the office and I'll leave you out here in the sanctuary and go ahead, receive the Holy Ghost, I'm speaking in tongues. The young man, I mean, the moment I walked into my office, the young man broke out speaking in tongues, and he began to really speak in tongues. He began to really speak in tongues, and that was how he got his breakthrough. So second reason is because you are more aware of the people around you. You are more in your head. You are not in your spirit. And tongues does not come from here. Watch this. It comes from here. Out of your innermost being, out of your belly shall flow forth rivers, not out of your head. <laughs> Anybody getting anything today? You might say, well, pastor, are you not teaching on prophecy? Yes, I am. But you've, you've got to understand that tongues and prophecy work together.
they work together. I've told you over and over again that these gifts are so interwoven. You will discover that tongues and prophecy work together, just like the gift of the word, work, uh, the gift, sorry, the gift, the gift of um, what's that again? The gift of the word of wisdom and the gift of the word of knowledge work together. They work together. The gift of the word of knowledge and the gifts of healings work together. The gift of faith, the gift of faith and the gifts of healings work together. So these gifts are so intertwined, sometimes it's difficult to separate them. You will discover that when the gift of the word of knowledge comes, here also comes the gift of the word of wisdom. When the gift of the word of knowledge comes, here also comes the gift of healing. They work together. Amen. Tongues and prophecy work together. You hear people parute panete tombro vetanava woike nombrava. Thus saith the Lord. See, they speak in tongues and they begin to interpret. Are you seeing that? They speak in tongues and they begin to interpret. So tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. So why shouldn't I take the time and talk about speaking in tongues? When so many people in the body of Christ are not speaking in tongues, how can they be used in prophecy? How can they be used in the simple gift of prophecy? Look at Acts 10.44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Notice all, not some. So for those of you who think some people receive the Holy Spirit and the, and the, with the evidence of speaking in tongues while others don't, that's not true. All those who heard. So all of you hearing this right now, if there is faith in your heart, you release your faith, the power of God will fall upon you. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you will speak in tongues right now. Watch this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because, watch this, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the phrase here, the gift of the Holy Spirit does not mean the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It simply means the gift, the Holy Spirit has been given, right? Watch this. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit, not the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Watch this now, verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What did they hear them do? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Go to Acts 19. We can't be talking about prophecy without talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. <laughs> Acts 19 verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, In what then were ye baptized? So they said in John's baptism. Then Paul, Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him uh, who would come after him, 
that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, watch this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Watch this now, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, we can say they came into Christ, they became born again. Until this time, they were disciples of John. The disciples of John were not born again. The disciples of John became born again when they believed in Jesus and they gave their lives to Jesus. Are you listening to this? But these guys were followers of John. They were disciples of John. And what was John's ministry about? John's ministry was about preparing the way for the Messiah. John's ministry did not bring salvation in Christ. John's ministry prepared the hearts of people to receive salvation in Christ. Are you seeing the difference? So these guys were the disciples of John. So when Paul brought them the message of Christ, the Bible says in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, now they're born again. So Paul had laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. All, all of them, 12 of them. So this is a consistency that we see in the Bible. So for those of you who are still thinking, you, you need to stop thinking that the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is not for me. It is for you. We go by the word of God. We don't go by what people say. The word of God reveals it. All were filled. All were baptized. All spoke with tongues. All of them. Not some of them. Not a select few. All of them. And these men were disciples. These men were not fivefold ministry ministers. They were the disciples of John. They just got saved and now they are filled with the Holy Ghost. That is why we must understand we don't have to wait. The, 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 the disciples waited in Acts 2 for 10 days. But from that very day, nobody needs to wait. In Acts 10, they just got into the house of Peter and his men, got into the house of Cornelius, and everyone in the house of Cornelius received immediately while Peter was speaking. In Acts 19, Paul leads them to Christ and laid hands upon uh, 12 of them, and they all spoke with tongues. Come on now, say amen. They even prophesied. God even gave them the gift of prophecy. <coughs> now, there are things you must know about prophecies. Number one, prophecy means to tumble forth or to bubble forth. It means to tumble forth or to bubble forth. That's number one thing you need to know. Prophecy means to bubble forth. Where does it bubble forth from? It bubbles forth from your innermost being. That will lead me to number two. Number two, prophecy flows from the spirit, not from your mind. Prophecy flows from the spirit, not from your mind. Listen, it is not coming out of your mind. It is coming out of your spirit. So I said, number one, it's to bubble forth, to tumble forth, to flow forth. Out of your innermost being shall flow forth rivers of living water. So prophecy number one means to tumble forth, to bubble forth, or to flow forth. Number two, prophecy flows from the spirit. It does not flow from your mind. Amen. Number three, prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now I want to say a couple of things here. 
For num under number three, prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. If someone gives you a word of prophecy, but it does not produce these three things, then don't receive it. You have the right to say, I do not want to receive that word because it does not edify me, it does not exhort me, it does not comfort me. Now, this is the simple gift of prophecy. It is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So if someone walks up to you and say, brother, I have a word for you, and they give you that word, and if it's a word of prophecy, and it does not bring you edification, exhortation, comfort, you can take that word and throw it out the window. It is not from God, because according to Scripture, prophecy should edify, it should exhort, and it should bring comfort. Many have been completely led out of the will of God because they accepted a prophetic word that did not even witness to their spirits. The Bible says in Romans 8, 16, For the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits. So if someone comes to you and they give you a word that does not bear witness with your spirit, then take that word and dump it. It is not from God. It has to bear witness with your spirit because you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. So many have been led astray. Oh, my prophet gave me a word. What the word your prophet gave you has led you out into a place where you shouldn't even go to in the first place. Number four, this is the simple gift of prophecy, not the office of a prophet. Let me say that again. Number four, you need to understand that we are talking about the simple gift of prophecy. We're not talking about the office of a prophet. There is a difference between the simple gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about the fivefold, uh, Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, talks about the fivefold ministry uh, of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And these fivefold ministry offices are for the edifying of the body of Christ and, and, and for the edific edification of the body of Christ and, and building up of the church and, and all of that. So we have these fivefold ministry offices to help the body of Christ to rise up to a place of unity and to rise up to a place where we are, people are not deceived and tossed about by every wind of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of, of, of evil men. And so the fivefold ministry helps us. Can someone say amen? But it's, it's the fivefold ministry and it's a full-time. In actual fact, the office of the prophet is a full-time ministry. So a prophet is different from one who flows in the simple gift of prophecy. So we are not referring to the prophetic office or the office of the prophet. We're just simply referring to the simple gift of prophecy that everyone in the church can be used in. In Acts 21, uh, verse 8 to 10, the Bible talks about Philip who had four daughters that prophesied. Philip the evangelist had four daughters that prophesied. They were used in the simple gift of prophecy, but they were not prophets. In the same chapter, the Bible talks about Agabus, a prophet. It was this man who took Paul's belt and bound himself and gave a word and said, the owner of this, when he goes into Jerusalem, he will be arrested and he will be killed. Now, notice when Agabus spoke, like I told you, the prophet will operate in two, consistently operate in two out of the three revelation gifts. So Agabus in Acts 21 was actually operating in the gift of the word of knowledge 
and in the gift of the word of wisdom and in the gift of prophecy. He said the owner of this belt, how did he know it was owned by Paul? Well, he said the owner of this belt. So he went straight to that which belonged to Paul. He did not go to Luke's. He did not go to one of the companions of Paul. Paul's material, he went to the one that belonged to Paul and took that and bound himself and said the owner of this. That's the gift of the word of knowledge. And then he said, when he goes into Jerusalem, that's the gift of the word of wisdom. But then the fact that he was speaking it forth is prophecy. Are you seeing that? So that's the office of the prophet. But Philip's four daughters were used in the simple gift of prophecy. The difference between the simple gift of prophecy and the gift of the word of wisdom and the gift of the word of knowledge is that the simple gift of prophecy does not reveal details. The simple gift of prophecy is just, you know, does not reveal details. It's, it's, it's just, it comes to comfort you, what does say the Lord, da, 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 and you just keep going. But it does not really reveal details like, you know, like we see here with Agabus revealing details about Paul and about his belt and about what's going to happen to him in the future. Amen. So you can see that with the, with the office of this man, the prophetic, the, the, the prophetic office, there was some form of prediction. He was, he was predicting. The simple gift of prophecy is not prediction. Are you listening to me? But even what Agabus predicted was in line with the will of God. So somebody might say, oh, but Paul, why did he go when he, has, when he heard that, uh, that this, is, this will happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem? Why did he embark on the journey? Well, remember when <laughs> the Lord told him, that uh, on the boat, he said, the angel of the Lord appeared to me, uh, the one whom I serve and the one that I belong to, appeared to me and told me that I'm going to stand before, before the king. And so it was the will of God that Paul, Paul embarked on that journey and he went away, all the way. Uh, and, and you know what I'm saying? So it was the will of God. Paul was in the will of God. So the fact that someone prophesies does not mean they are a prophet. Very important. Number five. Being used in the simple gift of prophecy does not make you a prophet. That's number five. Being used in the simple gift of prophecy does not make you a prophet. Number six, prophecy is not information. It is confirmation. Let me say that again. Prophecy is not information. It is confirmation. It will always confirm what is already on your heart. I remember when I was a Bible school student, a fellow Bible school student walked up to me and um, told me that he had a word for me. And I said, okay. So I stood there listening. And he gave me the word. I let him finish. When he was done, I said, this is not from God. I told him right there, it's not from God. I did not accept it. He said, it's not from God. You know, we have to know when something is from God and when it is not. There's got to be a witness in your spirit that this is of God, and there's got to be a witness in your spirit that it's not of God. So don't be afraid, and don't let people overpower you with their presence to where you accept everything they tell you in the name of thus saith the Lord. Are you listening to me? I told you guys the story when evangelist Phil Smithers came here, um, I think it's over a year now, when he came here to minister, that, that Sunday morning as I was about to leave home, I opened my Bible to the book of Acts chapter 28. 
And as I was reading Acts 28, the Lord was ministering to me. I'm telling you, it was such an amazing time of studying the word that morning before I came to church. And I got to church and, I'm, and, and I was sitting in the office when Phil and his wife arrived. And we sat there, we were just talking. I mean, normally when our guest speakers come, we try to offer them something to drink and stuff and water, coffee, tea. And we just chatted a little bit before stepping into the sanctuary. And while we're talking, he said, I have a word for you. Okay. I have a word for you. And boom, began to prophesy from the same place I read that morning. He said, Acts 28, began to prophesy. He said, remember when Paul got to the island of Malta? That was the same place I read that morning. Because you see, prophecy is not information. It is confirmation. It is confirmation. And he began to give me the word of the Lord. He gave me three things from Acts 28. And listen, the moment he said, the moment he said, when, you, when Paul got to the island of Malta, I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you say anything. Because I wanted him to know that he was about to declare something that the Lord was already talking to me about in the morning the same day. I said, look, I, was, I read Acts 28 this morning before I came to church. I mean, how would he have known that I was reading Acts 28? How would he have known I read Acts 28 that morning? Only by the Lord. And the Lord may not have told him I read Acts 28, but when the prophetic word came from him, it was a confirmation to me. It was not an information. Come on now, say amen. So prophecy number six, is in, it's not information, it is confirmation. It has to confirm what is already on your heart. It has to confirm what is already on your heart. If you get this, it's going to save you. Oh, I want to give you a word, the Lord, and they give you the word, and it does not confirm anything. <laughs> Somebody sent me a message a couple of years ago telling me that, I mean, I don't even want to say it because I don't want to talk about it. Pastor Godwill, I have a word for you, and I listen. Well, the Lord said, no, give me a break. The Lord didn't say that. The Lord didn't say that. If that word makes you sick in your stomach, the Lord didn't say that. If that word bothers your spirit, the Lord didn't say that. The Lord does not send you a prophetic word to make you sick. The Lord does not send you a prophetic word to bother your spirit. Come on now. The Lord sent you it's a prophetic word to confirm what's already on your heart. It's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Number seven, you need to know about prophecy. Don't despise prophecies. So when people say, Pastor God, will I have a word for you? I listen. I'm not going to despise prophecies. I'm not going to despise for prophesying. So I will listen. But as I listen, my ears are attentive. My antennas are up. I'm going to be picking up. And I'm going to show you how to know whether it is of God or not of God. My antennas are up. I'm listening carefully. Listen carefully. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll encourage you. If someone comes to you in the church, hey, brother, I have a word for you. Say, okay, uh, one minute, I'm coming. Call somebody else to, to stand beside you and listen to that word. The Bible says, Paul wrote to the church in, at Corinth. He said, let, let 
one or two prophets speak and let the others judge. So get somebody to come so that they judge with you. And, you, you know, it's good. There is, uh, there is safety in, 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 in multitude, if you know what I mean by that. So get a few people together. Okay, yeah, I'm listening. Thus say the Lord and let him give you that word and let others listen and, and you guys sit down, think about it and judge it. And I'm going to show you number seven, judge prophecies. Sorry, number eight, judge prophecies. This is how you can judge a prophecy. You can judge a prophecy. Oh, Pastor God, I can judge a prophecy? Yes, you can. The Bible says the spiritual man judges all things, but he cannot be judged. Or he discerns all things, but he cannot be discerned. So you've got to judge. You've got to. You must. If you want to stay out of trouble, you've got to judge every prophecy that you get. I don't care who gave it to you. I don't care who will give it to you. You've got to judge it. Oh, but I trust him. Yes, I trust the word of God more than anybody. Are you listening to me? So how do I judge a prophecy? Number one, does it confirm with what is already on my heart? Does it confirm with what is already on my heart? I remember, listen to me guys, this is important. The Lord called me to the full-time ministry when I was about to turn 15. I saw a vision. Jesus appeared to me, gave me a piece of, uh, I, I can't go into all the details, but I knew the Lord had come into the ministry. I got up that day. The Holy Ghost spoke to me when I woke up from that dream. He said to me, it's a big responsibility. I knew the word responsibility was immediately dissected, and the Lord told me, I'm calling to the ministry. I'm going to be a minister of the gospel. I knew it. Well, at the time, what I knew was the office of the pastor. So the pastor was the only reference that I knew. You know, so I knew I was going to be a pastor. I was, I was about to turn 15 at the time. So <laughs> I didn't tell anybody about this. I just, you know, I took that. I put it, if you might look at it this way, take it, put it on the shelf, just like you put books on the shelf. Some of you have some books that you've never read there on your shelf. So I put this thing on the shelf in a sense. I didn't tell anybody. I come over to Turkey. I began to pursue the, pursue the plan to play professional football. And one day I... I came into the service where Pastor Corey was ministering. And when I walked into that service where Pastor Corey was ministering, at the time he didn't even know my name. He was just new. We had not even moved into the place where we are right now. At the time the church was moving from one hotel to another in the taxi, in taxi area. So I came into the service. The power of God came upon me. I fell out under the power. And when I was on the carpet in this hotel ballroom, I began to hear Pastor Corey say, I see you ministering in a stadium. And he, began to meet, and began to prophesy, and then he stopped in the middle of his prophecy, and he asked the people in the congregation, who is this guy? Did not even know me. And then when I talked to him again privately after that prophetic word was given, I said, Pastor, Pastor Corey, what was that you saw? He said, as far as the eyes could see, I saw 20,000 people in the stadium. I mean, over and over again, he kept giving me the word of the Lord. He did not even know of the vision or the dream I had when I was 14, turning 15. Had no idea. And he gave me the word of the Lord. That word was a confirmation of what the Lord already told me when I was 14 or 15. The Lord was beginning to fan the flames of the word and of the calling that he has placed upon my life. That word that you are going to be in the ministry that Pastor Corey gave me was not an information. It was a confirmation. 
It was a confirmation. Many people are being led into what they shouldn't be involved in because one man of God told them, you are going to be a minister. Never had a desire to be in ministry. Never had any vision about ministry. God has never put that desire in them. And they hear it from somebody and they jump into ministry and they are destroyed because you cannot go into a place where God has not sent you because if you do, there is no grace to be there. Oh, you are calling to business. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. And oh, wow, I believe in my pastor. I believe in my man of God. And you jump into that area and you're ruined. You're destroyed because you've left where you're supposed to be. And you've jumped into an area where there is no grace for. This is why many are destroyed. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So the question is to, to test if the prophecy is from the Lord, does it confirm with what is already on your heart? Does it? Phil Smithhurst, I told you now, he prophesied, Acts 28 to me. It confirmed what was already on my heart. Pastor Corey, many times, prophesied many times. I remember the day he said, the Lord is opening doors for you and will bring you to places you never imagined you would go to. That was a confirmation. The Lord had called me to the ministry. So the man of God over and over again kept prophesying even when, I mean, even at the time when he was giving me so many of these prophetic words, I was still pursuing football. I was still pursuing my own ways. I was still pursuing my own plan. Are you seeing that? So when he saw me pursuing football, he could hold back and say, well, this guy's trying to be a footballer. Why am I prophesying ministry? No, he wasn't prophesying from his head. He was prophesying from his spirit. Because if he looked at me in the natural, he would have just held back. You know, no, I shouldn't give him that word because if I give him that word, you know, that would take him away from his goals. He, I mean, if he was a man of God that was just after money, he would have said, hey, God, will come on, get a football. Like, what should we do to help you? Get a professional club. When you get lots of money, we know the ministry will be blessed. No, he said, no, the Lord is calling to the ministry. He told me, to my face, the Lord, you are, you are going to preach. That's what he told me. You will preach. <laughs> I didn't like some of those things at the time. But he told me. But it was a confirmation. Not an information. So how do I judge prophecy? Do, number one, does it confirm what is already on my heart? Or is this news to me? Is this CNN? <coughs> how do I judge prophecy? Number two, does it line up with scriptures? These are the things that you need to know. Does it line up with scriptures? And this is why knowing the word of God is not, it's not a luxury. It is a necessity. So I told you, if somebody comes to me, God will, I have a word for you. Yeah, I'm listening. But I'm listening and the word of God on the inside of me. I, by God's grace, I've studied. I know the word of God. By God's grace. I'm not saying I know everything. But I know the word. The moment you start speaking, something I've read will pop out of my spirit. To confirm it or to fight it. It will confirm it or it will fight it. That's why reading the Bible, knowing the Bible is not, it's not luxury. Oh, I know that. No, it's a necessity. You've got to know the word. The third way to judge prophecy is does it edify? Does it exhort? Does it comfort? Or does it bring doom and gloom? Doom and gloom. 
you know, oh, you're going to do, this is going to happen to you, da, 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 da. They're prophesying doom, they're prophesying evil. The simple gift of prophecy does not bring doom and gloom. It brings exhortation, comfort, and edification. The ninth thing and the last thing I'm going to say to you when it comes to the simple gift of prophecy is every believer can be used in the simple gift of prophecy. As you have heard me say over and over again, the gifts of the Spirit does not show your Christian maturity. What shows that you're a Christian that is mature is the fruit of the Spirit, not the gifts of the Spirit. So even those that are born again today can be used in the gift of prophecy. As you can see in Acts 19, where those men, 12 of them, they received Christ. Paul laid his hands upon them. They received the Holy Ghost. And what? They prophesied. The first day they received, that was the day they prophesied. So everyone can be used in the simple gift of prophecy.